welcome to another episode of My Climate Diet, the podcast where I'm shedding the pounds of greenhouse gas emissions. I'm Lisa Pettibone, and I'm all aflutter thinking about how to declutter. Today, I'm giving you the second half of my chat with my husband, Andre Kluger. He spent the summer cleaning out his family's house in northern Germany to put up for sale. I was there too with our son, but he did most of the work. Last week, he told me about his system for sorting through four floors of junk in order to save as much as possible from the trash. This week, we talk about one easy way to convert our trash into someone else's treasure, the yard sale. Now I want to talk to you about, to me, maybe the... Fun part? Yeah. Now I want to talk to you about, to me, maybe the... the the biggest success of the cleaning out and also the fun part, the yard sale. So near the end of these five weeks, we held a yard sale. How much junk would you say you got rid of there? Uh, um, it was maybe uh, another three minivans, I guess. I'd say, yeah, that might be about correct in size and it's like stuff like three lawnmowers and garden furniture and those are a couple of big items but mostly um, it was bins full of little stuff okay so what were some surprising items that people wanted to take um it was surprise everybody thought like the little Decorative stuff my grandmother had all over her flat um, would be interesting to someone, but nobody bought that kind of stuff. What people bought that surprised us... The plastic flowers, for example? Plastic, oh yeah, the plastic flowers. Yeah, that was a good item to sort... Uh, all the places in the house where there are more or less decorative plastic flowers, um, those were, I put all of those in a carton and there was someone who took the whole carton. So it makes sense to put the ridiculous stuff on display because you never know what is someone looking for. And what was one of the first things that you sold? One of the first things was a cigar my grandfather bought from the USA in the 70s. And that was in a display case in the living room of my grandparents for 40 years. And somebody saw it and said, yeah, I want that. And also my grandfather's... um, all or nothing emergency cigarettes, which were also in the basement, hidden away under all the metal junk in a secret place. It it lay there since the 70s and somebody said, yeah, that's a cool thing. I want those. So, so I think this supports one of the main things that I really saw in the yard sale is what you said, that it's worth it. To sort everything, it's worth it to put everything out there because you really have no idea 
what other people will want that it's very surprising so many things that we thought would definitely end up in the trash that we would have a hard time actually throwing out those things sold very well yeah also um buckets of paint that was probably still usable got someone who who wanted those and um yeah just lots of chemicals and yeah especially all all the wrenches and stuff from the basement yeah that a lot of the tools yeah and what about some of the electronic appliances things like uh the vacuum cleaners and such yeah there were five vacuum cleaners in the house and um we most of them in fine working condition and we uh, we sold those um we also made a deal for one of the uh, not really functioning um um vacuum cleaners to um because a person just needed the front part of it because it broke at her uh her vacuum cleaner and i said yeah you can have it but you have to take the uh, non-functioning vacuum cleaner with you so i'm rid of it and you can have it for free uh-huh so making deals making deals yeah see what's best for everybody and best for me is to get the stuff moved out of my way now you mentioned some of the things that didn't sell but you mentioned your your grandmother's collectibles and her little china figures and trinkets was there anything else that didn't sell um la there were all the um tablecloths and um stuff like that and um furniture nobody was interested in furniture apparently and um books did the books sell no nobody nobody cared for the books but they were not a great collection to begin with yeah also um we asked the secondhand bookstore in the city and they also said it's all junk they would never be able to sell it so sort oh, of they don't want any of it no what did you do before the yard sale to prepare um we advertised it um put it in uh in the newspaper because that's where you find your audience in that area where we were yeah it really helped there were masses of people and it was just every 20 seconds somebody came to me and wanted this for a dollar and that for a dollar and that worked out for me so i had a constant flow of stuff going away and yeah i had just such a amount of stuff i could every every piece that got sold i could put something else into the place and i told that to the people and um there were maybe five or six people who actually came back later the day to see what's new in stock so to say mm-hmm so you said you um, put out advertising in the newspaper. What kind of ad and how, how much did that cost? Um, we put on an ad about 25 words or something um, with when we do it, where we do it, and that we sell everything in the house. 
and um, we put that in the newspaper for almost a week every day it's probably would have be sufficient to do it maybe once in the middle of the week and one on saturday when we do the sale on sunday but um yeah it cost in the end about 50 50 euros and um so it's um yeah and i got that that money back already before the yard sale even began because people came to the house uh, in the middle of the week after they saw the first ad to ask if they can have a first look at stuff and since i had the time and didn't mind not to uh, uh, sort through stuff for an hour i let the people into the house and got their opinion what they want and yeah so i had the uh, the ad budget back before the yard sale even began okay and did you do any uh, advertising at the house anything else oh yeah that's was also very useful we put up a big sign um a couple of days before the sale to that announce the sale on sunday and we the house is located at a very busy street and there were definitely people who saw the sign going past the house and um they some of them even stopped and asked yeah if the yard sale is already on and i said come back on sunday and they did We also did a couple of uh, posters we put out at um, the local cafes and um, yeah, when I talked to people in the village, I told them, yeah, if you need st stuff, come by on Sunday. We have everything. So there was a good deal of work to put in to making sure the community that your neighbors knew about the yard sale, but it sounds like it didn't cost that much money. What helped the day of during the yard sale itself? It definitely helped that I had all the bins prepared, that I had enough tables to put in the yard and then um, have everything handy to put it out before the yard sale began and then to put more stuff out every time a chunk of stuff got sold so it was so you don't have to sort through stuff at the day if you know what you have and you know a way to put it out quickly it really helped okay and it's to me one thing i noticed was people would come up and they would ask oh do you have this random thing and you could think back to your last five weeks of sorting and you would know yes or no. Yeah. And and also, in most cases, know where it was and get it out quickly. So this was also one of the side benefits of your sorting technique, that you then knew what was in the house and where it was. Yes. Okay, now, this is my favorite part of all of the junk shows on TV that I love to watch, and that's how much money you made. Uh -huh. Um, I made about even thousand euros, more or less. Wow, that's it's, a lot. That's a that's a lot for a day. It's not a lot if you think that you all the hours you had to put in it beforehand. Because if you think about uh, your per hour salary, 
that's not much in the end, but yeah, the real profit for me is, like I said, uh, to get rid of stuff. And I, like I said, I guess if I try to sell it most profitable, I would have probably made twice as much money, but I would have to spend four times of yeah, time to get it all moved. And I mean, you talk about your work hours, but if you hadn't spent the time working, what would the alternative have been to get rid of all of this junk? To pay someone who gets a big container and throws it all into it. And how much would that have cost? I don't know yet. I will probably know by the end of the year because that's the next step we, or the step after next we have to do with the rest of the stuff we nobody wants. And um, yeah, but I guess it might be with including the manpower to do it, maybe two or three thousand. That's my estimate, but I know more in a couple of months. Is how much that would cost. Yeah. Okay. So you've talked about a couple of the benefits that of having a yard sale. First, you get rid of a lot of junk. Three minivans, you said. The second benefit is you make money. You made a thousand euro on this um, yard sale. But what are other benefits? Are there any more benefits? Those are definitely the big benefits for me. And it's um, it's a fun way to say goodbye to the stuff. You know, from your uh, childhood and that was around the house forever. And um, yeah, it's uh, for me a little more pleasurable than just throwing it into the trash straight away. Did it also help having the yard sale? Do you think you found buyers for things you wouldn't have found homes for otherwise yeah definitely definitely like i said you really can't predict what crazy item somebody wants and stuff you think that's definitely interesting for someone nobody cares about so it's really unpredictable and just Tell the people that if they had anything ridiculous in mind to ask you if you know what's in the back of the house. So, yeah. Well, and I know two benefits that I saw kind of being on the sidelines for the yard sale is first that you made contacts with a lot of junk sellers, people who came back after the yard sale for bigger items, people who even came before and who gave you some tips on where you could sell certain things yeah yeah. since it was broadly advertised i didn't have to reach out to make contact with people who specialize into house sales so they came to me and i have their numbers for the next steps to take which is great yes and then the last thing that i thought was a really nice benefit was that we met a lot of new people, some neighbors in the area, and in particular people who are interested in buying the house. Because that's the whole reason that you've been cleaning it out, is to put it on the market and sell it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, people who are interested, but uh, I guess in the end um, it won't 
go or maybe 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 it might go uh in this direct way but we have to see that something for next year mm-hmm. but yeah it's uh yeah definitely by now everybody knows that the house is for sale in the near future and yeah if there is someone interested in it we see well we'll cross our fingers because that is our biggest project for the end of the year and next year now that you've done it now that you've had a yard sale would you do it again yes 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 since now um most of the stuff is already in order and i guess there are still some items that will be interesting for people um yeah, in a in a smaller scale, I guess we can do another yard sale with way less effort. Do you have any other tips for people looking to get rid of junk? Get rid of it as quickly as possible. Don't let it accumulate in your basement or wherever. Just uh, if you know you will, if you're in doubt if you will ever need it again, you probably won't. If it's some very special item that you know you will need five times in the next 20 years, you can think about keeping it like a power drill. If it's really handy if you need it, but you don't need it most of the time. But when you have three lawnmowers and five vacuum cleaners, you probably don't need all of them. All right, well, that's... uh... Not the most upbeat closing words, but definitely honest ones. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun talking to Andley, but I noticed something in listening to our conversation that people constantly point out to me. And that's the difference in tone between Americans and Germans. While editing our chat, I was struck by how absurdly upbeat I am. I do get this sometimes, so it's not a surprise to me, but it was a little jarring put up against Andre, who felt really pessimistic against my insane optimism. So if you notice that while you're listening, you're not the only one, and it kind of makes me smile that listening to our chat, I feel like I'm the happy one and he's the the grim one. Um, And it shows that these last two weeks haven't just been about junk, but about cross-cultural communication as well, perhaps. You may have noticed that I didn't mention the global climate strike last week. I went, and it was huge, but it somehow didn't make me hopeful. It kind of left me depressed. I'm still trying to think. I'm trying... I'm still trying to figure out why such a huge climate protest, I mean, there were 4 million demonstrators around the world, why this left me so down. I'm glad I went, and I was happy to see so many others out there. I really loved seeing the different posters and signs, but maybe I felt a little overwhelmed by the number of people. It made me think in a way that I'm too much of an introvert for these things. I like talking to you from the comfort of my desk, but I don't need a throbbing mass of people. Anyway, 
I guess I felt a little guilty last week that I'd been there, but I didn't have an upbeat, uplifting message to share about the climate strike. If you went and have thoughts, especially if they're happy, upbeat thoughts, I'd love to hear them. What's giving me hope this week? I've had a really great reading summer. I spent the last few weeks savoring a pretty big and definitely weighty book called The Overstory by Richard Powers. It won the Pulitzer Prize last year, if that's your sort of thing. But it struck me because it's about trees. Imagine a novel that's Dickensian in scale, following nine protagonists across several decades and the full expanse of the United States. But their main connection is to and through trees. So the main purpose of the story is really to share the author's conviction that trees are intelligent, social, amazing creatures whose worth should be acknowledged and, if he can ask, protected. I have to admit, I wanted a lot more monkey wrench gang, more swashbuckling, fighting the evil tree bandits, deforesters. That's not uh, um, more resistance, more struggle, more hope. The book didn't give me that. The public action and the amazing sequence where some of the characters squat in a tree for several months is only one of many things that happens. What the book did give me, though, was a greater and a deeper respect for trees. This is the kind of thing, even those of us who care about the environment, or I know for me, I saw trees as these passive objects. I never thought, I want to protect the climate for trees. That they have something to offer me just by existing. So that's... What gave me hope in reading this book? It made me think more deeply about my mission in life and in this podcast. And I hope that others who read it get this same hope. Thanks for listening. I've recently been in contact with Daniela Silvestlin, a German curator and cultural producer who, based in Berlin, uh, a German curator and cultural producer based in Berlin. She's been giving me insights into some really exciting work she's doing to use art to think about challenges like sustainability and ecological destruction in a collaborative way. She was one of the few brave souls who listened to my entire presentation on alien drag utopias at the Children of Doom Festival over the summer. And getting into contact with her recently and hearing about her work has made me hopeful in a whole new way. And I'm really excited to find ways to collaborate with her in the future. So, Daniela, thanks for listening to Children of Doom. And thanks for thinking this is the kind of cat you might want to work with. Thanks also to David from Kvince for letting me use his music. And thanks to you too. Since I got back from my summer of house cleaning, 
I've been humbled by how many people listen to this podcast. This has been a labor of love for me, and I appreciate you giving me a listen. Feel free to drop me a line with your climate tips, things you like or don't, or just a kind word at lisa at myclimatediet.org. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lisa Pettibone. And don't forget to rate My Climate Diet on Apple Podcasts. That makes it easier for others to find me and start their own climate diet. Because if everyone went on a climate diet, it wouldn't be the end of the world.